Welcome back to the Sunday recap, everyone. We had a little uh, hiatus last week. Uh, did not get together and talk about stuff, so we just kind of put out a little something. But this week we're back. So welcome back, Ariel and Mitch. How's it going? Hey. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I feel like I always say hey the same exact way each week. Well, that's. I mean, if we splice okay. them all together, it would be like hey. Hey! <laughs> oh man, guys, I think our intros are getting worse. <laughs> We're not getting good. Maybe our content's getting better, but our intros are—we're uh, lagging behind for sure. What do we have to right. talk about, Chris? <laughs> Just tell them. <laughs> tell them what's move going on. on. No, I don't know. I, well, before we get into that, how was your guys' Thanksgiving? What did you guys do? It was really good. Ours was lonely. It was quiet. Lonely in a good way. Like we, I mean, <laughs> let's start over. Really, let's it start was over. very sad. <laughs> I don't know. How lonely, lonely so in the sad. best way possible. You know, <laughs> Chris is Chris is like had his hand up saying "Amen" over there. Yeah. Lonely in yeah. a good way. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. oh, introverting. Yeah, so good for us all. <laughs> yeah, and no, I mean we made the best of it. We had it was just it was non-traditional just you your, your food. Yeah, just the five of us. Um, we did do things with extended family, just our parents, um, like outside of Thursday. But mm. yeah, we had non-traditional Thanksgiving. We made steak. Asparagus. Steak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving steak. That's what I'm talking about. I know. It's That's really so good. good. We ended up going to my parents. My dad bought a deep fryer. That was fun. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So deep fried a turkey and a chicken, which was okay. cool. Both was were it, good. Was it like a turducken where you like put the chicken in the turkey? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> good. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. it's a chicken inside of a turkey inside of a duck. Wait. Really? Okay. No, reverse that. So oh, no, duck no. inside of a chicken That's inside of a turkey. Yeah. Duck inside a chicken. Like a matroshka, like nesting dolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get that. With I get meat. the visual. Yeah. Now, I did see someone, and I, I forget who it was. With the bone still on it? Yeah, that, yeah. You, like, edible. stuff it all into yeah, it. Yeah, the whole body. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I did see someone, and I forget who it was, but so if you're listening and you did this, then send us a note, and we'll give you a shout-out. But someone, And a picture. Yeah, but someone made a, it was like, and I forget exactly what they, it was like a trapumple, where it's like, it's like an apple pie that's baked into it's like an apple pie that's baked into like some kind of a cake a um, a pumpkin pie that's baked into another type of cake and another and like a cherry pie that's baked into another type of cake and then you have the three layers of cake on top of each other and frosted oh i was like something what (laughs) that sounds amazing (laughs) and interestingly enough we're talking about Clean and unclean food today. That's right. which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be unclean right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was on that sheet somewhere in the corner, corner yeah. of the world. <laughs> For sure. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it, we were just at home ourselves too, just, uh, just our family. Um, we also did not do turkey or ham either. Uh, we did Cornish game hens. Oh, those are so cute. Yeah, they're good. Which yeah. I don't know what that is, but I found out it's just chicken. It's a little chicken. Yeah, yeah. a little bitty. <laughs> just like a personal size pizza. Like, yeah, like personal little... size chicken. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> I have had that. Yeah. yeah, those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I will say, if I'm going to have turkey though, it's going to be deep fried. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that's the way I, I want my turkey yeah. done. It's it was good. It was good. Or smoked. Smoked is good. It was too. fun. My dad was concerned he was going to catch his house on fire, but that was, <laughs> nah. you know. So. Well, you don't do it in the Well, they house, did it like a 22-pound <laughs> turkey. That's amazing. Yeah, in a fryer that I think was supposed to do like a 15-pound turkey. So, <laughs> yeah. so just cram it we in We were set, set up for disaster <laughs> for sure, but it worked out. That's cool. Good. Well, just a quick announcement for you today. We are coming up on the Christmas season. We're uh, 
at the time that this is going out is going to be done December 2nd. So we're in December and the Advent season now. And what's great about that is we got the Christmas Eve services that are, that are coming up. We are still planning to do Christmas Eve services in person. They will be online as well. Um, but what's so cool is um, we're going to have three of them so that you can actually be a little bit more spread out, you know, all that sort of stuff and uh, come with your family and come and celebrate Christmas Eve with us. So um, we are doing three services. They're going to be on Christmas Eve, December 24th at uh, 2.30 at 4 o'clock and at 5.30 p.m. So uh, make your plans now. Mark your calendar, talk to your family, make your plans uh, about what you're going to do Christmas Eve because we would love to have you and your family come celebrate Christmas with us that day. Mitch Green, you preached this weekend. Way to go, buddy. Yes. Thanks, man. We really did it. Yeah, we you did, did it. but you know the amount of things you had going on outside of that is just—I don't know how That's you true. keep all the all the juggling going. You're just really good at like multitasking. I got to prep early. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice to have a few weeks <laughs> to yes. work on it. That's awesome. Well, uh, we were talking about uh, this this weekend the conversion of Cornelius. This was the last week of the "This is my This is our story" series. Uh, so you closed it out. And talking about the conversion of Cornelius, such a fascinating story and such an important story in the book of Acts, um, a, a, a really a pivotal story. Um, so, uh, Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot, though. Fire away. I've got, a, I've got a burning question. Oh, goodness. All right. So you had us all stand and we read Acts chapter 11, and yet you taught out of Acts chapter 10. Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so 10, so, so the main reason is this, is that chapter 10, um, it's a, it's a lot longer yeah. mm-hmm. and it's all the details of the story, mm-hmm. which, which I think is really where the meat's at. And we didn't even look at all the details. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just kind of looked at little pieces of it, but 11 is the retelling of the story. So it's, it's the more, it's just more concise. Yeah. It's easier for us all to, you know, to stand together and read. And there really isn't there really isn't one section of this story that captures the heart of it other than the gospel piece. And I was already planning on having us read right. and stand and do that at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, I think it just makes the most sense just to try to read the synopsis because for me and most people, I, like I said, like these guys will tell you, they'll be like, what are you preaching on? And I'm like, Cornelius's conversion. What's that? I'm like, I, I think he was a Roman centurion. <laughs> and I'll be like, <laughs> that was my knowledge before. So I wanted to make sure that people understood the story and how it went. And I also intentionally was going to kind of preach it out of order. Um, and yeah. so I wanted to like make sure I'm super bad about repeating myself. Cause I feel like if I repeat myself once I I'm getting better at it, but if I do it one time, I already feel like it's too much. Like people mm. are like, you already said that. <laughs> so, so I wanted to make sure I, in this case, I tried to repeat often the order of the story. So I was being true to the fact that when I taught it, kind of out what like when I started to work the details out of order, mm-hmm. people actually knew the order in which the events happened. Yeah. Okay. That like Peter, Peter wasn't questioning him when he approached him. Peter had had this dream that led to him to go share the gospel. Yes. Yeah. But in the way I preached it was the other way because I wanted to really us to understand like Peter really was not down to do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, totally. Totally. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the the text a little bit and, and what's happening in the stories. The, the first thing that I want to ask with this is how does this story fit into the timeline of what God is doing in the book of Acts? 
I mean, I was pretty hard on him, like like on the church mm-hmm. in the sermon, which I think is fair because it was just like, okay, you're supposed to be spreading the gospel across the world. Like, yeah. why have you not yet? But but really in a practical sense too, you have to think about like, okay, the Judea, Samaria to the ends of the world. Like they're going yeah, to begin Acts, with sharing. Yeah, they're going to begin with sharing the gospel to the people that are closest to them. Yeah. So there is a natural overflow of this. Yeah. The, the question is like, how long have they gone without sharing the gospel? Like, I, I mean, I would find some commentaries that would speculate that this could have been like seven years. Some would say it's a shorter amount of time. Sure. So it's like, okay, after seven years, you know, and I would say this a lot, like, how long is too long, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's like, ah, seven years is probably approaching the point of like, now it's time to start to share with people that aren't Jewish, that aren't familiar with the Old Testament scripture. Yeah. And so, I mean, as you said, like, its significance is that one, he's he's the first Gentile. But also, like, this is the marking of the gospel moving beyond, you know, yep. the the nation not as the way is, like, we would think of it today, but the Jewish nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, he says in Acts, I think it's Acts 1-8, right? He says that you take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, which is the larger community mm-hmm. outside of Jerusalem, to Samaria, which we saw mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 8, right? Because that's the Ethiopian eunuch where yep. Philip heads out there. And, and so he goes to Samaria um, and then to the ends of the earth. And so... Which Caesarea is like the start of that. Like yes. it's like, it's a port city. Yeah. So like it, it's, it is a moving beyond, you know, yeah. where they're at. In the story, it seems like one of the things that is going on here is Peter, because I, I don't think that he doubts the command of Christ from Acts 1. Like he was there, he heard the command of Christ. Mm-hmm. I, don't, it's like, I don't think there's a doubt there. But at the same time, like you said, he's, he hasn't, gone out to the ends of the earth yet. Um, and he still seems a little confused about how to interact with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And he seems even confused later on, yeah. Yeah. even still, like, like yeah. he's still a little confused about it. Like what we saw in, in Galatians chapter two, when, um, uh, Paul ends up rebuking him, mm-hmm. uh, in that story. Yeah. But what is the hangup? Like, what's the, what, what do you think is going on with Peter about this? What, what's the confusion there? Mm-hmm. Um, how does the text help us to see that? What, what that confusion is. I think it helps me to have an Old Testament picture of, of Judaism, of just this religion that was meant to set these people apart from the rest of the world. And so they were they were taking all of these drastic measures to make sure that they were different from the surrounding nations. Yeah. And so they've had that ingrained in them for so long um, and under the law that you've got Peter, who's a Jewish man, hanging on to those things and not fully releasing them yet, even mm. though Jesus is making all things new, Jesus Christ. And so um, I think God kind of had to like peel his fingers back a little bit. Yeah. And he does that in this story where he brings the the fabric down from heaven that's full of the clean and unclean animals. Right, right. The clean and unclean thing, I think, is exactly the 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 concept there. Because, I mean, when you look back at, at Jewish law, in particular, what is spoken of in Leviticus, Leviticus, um, kind of the theme verse of Leviticus is Leviticus 10.10, which is nice because it's easy to remember. Um, uh, so, uh, but Leviticus 10.10 says, uh, basically to the Levites, God's like, look, he says, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the, the unclean and the clean. Mm-hmm. And then you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So, so this idea of making this distinction between the holy and the common between the unclean and the clean gets reflected in what the way that Peter responds to this. He brings up those categories again, mm-hmm. like yeah. here, here, here's the unclean, 
here is the common as well. He's like, no, the only thing that's ever touched my lips has not been mm-hmm. common or unclean. It's been holy and clean. Yeah. So because of that vision that God gives to Peter, what is God actually doing there? Like, is he, mm-hmm. is he throwing out the Old Testament law? What, what's happening there? Not at all. I don't think so. I I mean, what he's doing is in the Old Testament, this law is there to set the people apart and make them holy, but for a purpose so that they would be a priesthood. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think what is happening now is, is Jesus is invoking this new law that will make this priesthood and expand it beyond just the people of Israel and the, the, you know, the traditional um, Jews. Um, He's saying that he wants this to be people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so it's kind of that beginning of it. Um, Absolutely. I found some significance in this, though, because you see this this um, centurion, Cornelius, is from Joppa. Well, I mean, God, <laughs> God knew what he was doing all along because the oh, last time— Oh, you went time, there already. I'm Let's sorry. Go. Let's Are go. you ready? Yeah. You want to talk about it? <laughs> Um, apparently, Chris has got stuff to say, but no, there's no, no, no. I'm, I, no, I'm, exci- I'm excited it. for this. This is one of those like a lot of these things you just can't. We're not time to talk about. I know. <laughs> you know? So, yes. So keep going. Yes. So going. I'm so glad we have a podcast for this. So when you see Joppa before, Joppa happens in the book of Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Jonah flees from the Lord. Um, and Jonah is being commissioned to go to a Gentile nation and preach. Um, repentance. Yeah, an enemy Gentile an enemy, nation. For sure. Yeah, yeah, bloodthirsty enemy right. nation, and he um, he he hides from the Lord, and so this is God's plan all along is to make His nation bigger than just mm-hmm. the people He had named from the beginning, um, and so you know Jonah didn't do the job well. Jesus does the job well, and He's now commissioned Peter to do that to do this new thing. Mm. What do, you, what do you want to say? It's good stuff. <laughs> so good. So good. Ariel, I think that is so important. Um, that connection between Jonah and what's happening here in Acts is critical because ultimately, Mitch, what you did is you brought out the theme of both of those stories because mm-hmm. they're really one and the same. And it's that what, what you said, like there's no one who's, who's too far gone or too far out of reach mm-hmm. to – hear and receive the gospel. And and what's, what's so cool about that is, I mean, we see that in Jonah because here he has this bias, right? He has this um, uh, partiality is what, what you brought up against the Ninevites, against this evil nation. Here, Peter seems to have that same kind of partiality uh, with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. What they've thought is that there are two types of people, the holy people yeah. And the common people. Yeah. It means a lot of things, and it also doesn't mean a lot of things. Yeah. So I think it's important. Like, you did a really good job specifying the, like, hey, we got to make sure people know that, like, the law's not bad. Yeah. Like, God's not God's yeah. not saying, hey, your law's bad, you know. Mitch, on some level, I mean, is this is this type of bias or partiality, is this something that we, we all do in some way or another? I would say absolutely. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um I, I really, I, and this is something that even for me is a more recent, I would, I would hope to say it's not a learning, but it's more of a recent reminder over the past few years. But yeah. just this idea that, again, um, God has created all things, and God has created them um, in, in the person side of things. Let's remove it away from animals here for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he's created them in his image. Yeah. And that is something that is prescribed to all people. Right. Meaning that all people have worth. Now, um, sonship, 
um, adoption into the family of Christ is something that's conditional. So we, we like have to differentiate those two things, but that still means that all people have worth in God's eyes. That's right. I don't know for everyone that's listening, but for me, um, sometimes I just don't think about it that way. Mm. I think about those that are within the family of God and I think about them having a positioning, which, which they do in Christ, but them having this standing that makes them, um, more, you know, like, like not common, (laughs) you know, as, as the scripture would say. And, and so I think, you know, we have to really wrestle with that, that at first all people have inherent worth because they're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And then all people have fallen because of their sin. We're not ignoring their sin, but we're recognizing the worth that they have ascribed to them in Christ. And, and again, you, you've like, think about the way that we respond to people that think radically different than us. Yeah. Um, I want to go like to the most radical case and let's just even say like people that um, are, you know, claim to be say transgender, like, let's just go like, like mm-hmm. they're people, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> their image, like they're made in the image of God, right. you know, like they have worth, they have value that's ascribed to them by the creator of this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet like, so we can't completely shun them. That's not, that's not to say that we're not saying speak to people in the issues in their life, you know, the sin and, th- I mean, it, you can go, you can go across the list of anybody, you know, murderers, but I mean, I mean, everyone, they're created people, yeah. you know, to be a person is to be an image bearer. And we have to, we have to think about it that way. And then we have to understand that, okay, now we can offer to them, you know, the gospel, which is the greatest news about really their their identity, <laughs> you know, how do yes. they, how do they live out this idea of image bearer, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, I think the problem is that in this case, when we look at Cornelius and Peter, Peter doesn't really see him that way. And I think another reason, like, I think what Ariel's saying is huge to understand the background of how he would view the law and holy and separation, but it's also because he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want his reputation to be tarnished by talking to Cornelius Mm -hmm. because he wants to be holy. Yeah. He wants to be set apart. He wants to be, you know, not common. Right. And so for him to do those things and for him to be viewed that way amongst the people, he views associating with someone that's not those things as breaking down his core identity, which again, as believers in Christ, our identity is in Christ and what God, you know, what, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Mm -hmm. It's not in anything we're doing ourselves. So our identity can't be tarnished by associating with someone else. Now there's caution there. I mean, obviously we can talk more about that, but like we have to understand that again, as image bearers, you know, as people who are redeemed as messengers, you know, which we talked about, you know, people that are to carry the, the gospel message of Jesus, we need to view people in the way that God views them. Right. And that's people that are worth, you know, hearing yeah. this gospel message, regardless of whatever limitations we may set up for them. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that, that you guys think Christians do limit um, who, who we think should hear the gospel? Like, what are some mm-hmm. of those categories, perhaps? Like, you, you, you brought up transgenderism. Um, as maybe one of those categories, but yeah, I was trying to give you the most radical, yeah, you know, yeah. what I think yeah. is one of the most extreme yeah. case for some people. <clears throat> but how else might my Christians do that? I think we could take it so far back as to people who just think something differently about interpreting portions of scripture. Sure, 
you know, or think differently on anything in the church, yeah. you know, down to the superficial, you know, we always say color of the carpet, that, that is a divider. Right. Um, yeah. But, and then there's all the spectrum in between. There's race, there's, you know, there's even gender, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that we could possibly make into a category. Yeah. We've done it. Yeah. Politics. It, yeah, and, yes. and the New right. Testament is constantly breaking down these categories within the first century world. Yes. But throughout the history of the world, we've often built them back up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so you know, Christianity can become something that's aligned with one particular political party. Right. And some people will think it's one or the other. So right. if you think I'm talking to you, it's I'm like not. Mutually you know? exclusive yeah, there. They'll, yeah, they'll think, it, oh, it, you know, this is what Jesus would align with, you know? And we, we start to create these walls and these barriers and— it can become territorial. It yeah. can become language, you know, the language that you speak. It can become people who can read, people who can't read. It can become, you know, as you said, by the color of your skin. It can become, you know, as I was stating for me when I was younger, it was like the kids that cuss and kids that don't cuss. If you didn't cuss, I would invite you to youth group because I wasn't worried about what you would say. <laughs> but if you do cuss, it was like, I don't really know if you could if you could handle it. Mm. So it's so surface level, but it's something that but I've created that, as a barrier. And that's a great example because it's, break, it's, it's a reflection on you. Yes. Because, because mm-hmm. the, it's the same as with Peter. Like, like if yep. that person, if you invite someone and they don't act the way that, that you think that they should, or the group thinks that they should, then that's a reflection on, on you and your, in your character. Which is Peter's response even to, you know, God or, or the voice. I, I, I haven't really looked at a lot at the original language to know, like, if it's just a messenger or mm-hmm. if it's God, he, he talks like it's God in some instances, but then mm-hmm. it also kind of says like, a messenger, you know, you're talking about the angel that speaks to Cornelius. No, no, no. Peter, when he's having the vision. So, so I I don't want to like solidify that for anybody out there that really is in the details. But, um, when he's, when he replies, his reply is, you know, that this has never touched my mouth. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and his, and his, his reasoning again is because he wants to protect his character. Yeah. And his his status, yeah, his status Mm -hmm. and his character. And so he's not willing to do that. And I think that's the way that sometimes we view other people mm-hmm. is that if I, if I associate with them, if I get involved with them and again, I want to, I want to give caution that I know that like for many people, you, you get involved in some relationships, it's going to take you down a really dark path, you know, and I want to be sensitive to that. But we think that by associating with these people, there goes our character. Right. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and actually some people may view it that way. Sure. You know, some people actually may view it that way, but but we have to remind ourselves that our identity is founded on Christ. Mm-hmm. And and to, to just looking at the really the example of Christ, his his reputation was consistently put on the line and even um, uh, defamed in front of other people because yeah. because he was known for people for eating with Gentiles and tax collectors and sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a there's definitely a connection there of, of this is, this is exactly what Jesus does. He, he's willing to sacrifice his own reputation because his identity is securely in the father. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what a, what a beautiful picture of the love of God in that way as well. I'm glad you said that because there is something to be said here about the character of, of Christ and of the father. When we look at, you know, if we even just go back one couple stories when when Jesus sat at the well with the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. We know Peter knew this happened. He knew that happened. He he'd seen Jesus talk with other people who could yeah. tarnish his relation her his uh, reputation. Yeah. Um and so if someone like Peter who had walked with Jesus in his ministry on earth and seen him um extend 
his 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 good news to people outside of of the Jewish um, religion, then it's so amazing to me that that same grace is here for us. You know that a, that a father would be so gentle to um, to help set Peter right and prepare him for what he's doing, mm. um, and to even lend him this vision and say, "This is what I'm doing," and now you're going to be the first one to kind of make this happen, so that centuries of people after you will understand what kind of God I am. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Let's talk about Cornelius for a second, okay? Um, Now, one of the things that, Mitch, you brought out in the the text is from chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, how the text really describes Peter, or no, I'm sorry, how the text really describes Cornelius as being a devout man, who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God. Okay. I want to, I want to know how, like, okay. So like, like, you know, one, we know that he is a Gentile. Okay. So he's not necessarily Jewish at this point. Okay. But we also know that he hasn't heard the gospel because the message that, so so the angel speaks to, Peter and says, you're going to go and deliver a message of salvation. So he hasn't heard the gospel yet. So what, how does he know about God? And, and how does he, why is he considered to be devout, fearing God, praying to God, all this sort of stuff? Yeah. So I, I think, um, there's, there's a part here that I think is reflected in the end of this, um, story where Peter is really kind of laying out the lesson that God's taught him and, mm-hmm. and it captures where Cornelius is, is sitting. Mm-hmm. And so it says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, this is verse 34. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him. Is acceptable to him. Sorry, is yeah. acceptable to him. Yeah. As for the word, he sent to Israel preaching the good news and he goes on and on and he starts to tell the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I think like what, what really captures Cornelius's posture is that he is um, dissatisfied with the Roman answers for who God is, mm. little g God is. Yeah. And so Cornelius, I- I'm assuming, has began to do some exploring, and he is actually posturing himself as someone who is um, ready, willing, eager to hear of the gospel message. Yeah. Um, There's something that's you know, in him yeah. already. That's and, and he's probably associated with some people that he notices, you know, are Christian and, you know, and they're different. And, and so there's something in him that is eager to the point that where like, like he's met by a messenger yeah. <laughs> from God. Um, but one of the things that I think is really interesting is, and I, I this is something that I've been reflecting on since our last series mm. is that once again, the gospel message is told through a person, through a messenger of God. Mm-hmm. That it's not that that it's not like he's just told it in the dream. It's that like God sticks to his plan of using Peter to share the gospel with him. Yeah. So so it's like while Cornelius is is desiring and God orchestrates all this, mm-hmm. not minimizing that. He puts it all together. It's so obvious. I mean, yeah. sends people to him, like makes him have a dream. This guy has a dream. The angel like and the angel. Yeah. Like it's like it's all orchestrated by God, but God is still sticking to his plan to use people to spread this message yes. to him. Yes. Uh, to to Cornelius, and so. Um, I was going to ask you this, this Chris, because I know you'll have a better understanding of kind of the full narrative stri- scripture, but 
really, let's sit on this term God-fearer because mm-hmm. it's not a term that's just found in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a common term, you know, throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. really. W- what would you define that as for people? Because I gave my definition on Sunday, but how would you kind of really sit on that term? I, or what do you think? I, I'm reading First Sorry, Peter I right now. No, I know, no, not at all. I'm just saying I, I'm reading First Peter right now, and and we get to the word fear, and um, and and it looks like the context there is an awe and respect of mm-hmm. what what the character of this being is. And so I assume that if he's fearing God, he realizes that he can both love him, respect him, want to honor him, but fears him because of what he can do and is capable of as far as like impartial judge. Mm-hmm. And so I think he recognizes that, which is pretty interesting because, I mean, if you look at the history of um, of polytheism going on there in Rome and just in all the provinces, like they have every option available to them and nobody's partial to one or the other. And so they're, they're, they're worshiping all kinds of gods because they they think that they can um, earn favor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so somehow, somewhere, he has understood that this God of the Jews is one God, and and it seems like he's responding to him out of that fear of knowing he wants to please him, but maybe not in the same way as, as like, the polytheists would would do this symbiotic relationship. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in, th- in those circumstances, I think you have people who are really looking for their own gain. Right. Um, the reason to, to worship a particular god under those systems is to get, you know, rain for the harvest or to yeah. get, you know, th- the things that you need and stuff like that to appease the gods. Um, in this case, it's more of a, a recognition. I, I, I think you're right. It's it's both and. It's, 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 it's both the awe and reverence side mm-hmm. But I think that we need to also take it to the other extreme of saying it, it also includes an actual fear, like a, yes. t- like a yeah. terror. And, and when you read the Old Testament in particular, you see that type of terror. Or uh, another good example of that is um, when Jesus and his disciples are, are on the boat mm-hmm. in, in the Sea of Galilee, and it says that they were so afraid of the, of the winds, but then... Um, after Jesus calmed the storm, they said that it says that they were greatly afraid, even more afraid of Jesus, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so I think there's even a fear element in there as well. So, so fearing God has to, I think, include both of those because there's an awe reverence, but there's also a fear of, wow, this is the creator of the universe who sustains me and who could stop sustaining me at yeah. any point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, and, and of course, we, we trust him in that. He's a loving God. He mm-hmm. cares for us. But um, but there still is a, 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 a holy fear there. Yeah. And I, I think if you look at the character of God in First in Peter, what that says is that he is um, impartial judge and father. Mm-hmm. So you take those two together. Yeah. And if we lean too much toward one or the other, then we have an, an imperfect picture of a perfect God. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and so so again, so so that's one aspect of Cornelius's identity is that he's trying to, you know, seek you know, these answers and he's not finding them. And I think he's found his spot where he wants to find them and still nobody will tell him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty safe to speculate that he's probably looking for some answers and no one's giving them to him. Yeah. And again, it's we, his identity. Um, it, it's just so powerful when you really start to dig into, okay, again, he's a Roman centurion, which gives you a few options on what his backstory really is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could actually have been a former slave that, sure became a Roman centurion for the, you know, to buy his freedom Mm -hmm. um, and served his entire life, you know, for Rome. Um, He could be retired, you know, he could have 
fought in wars. He could, he could be all of these things, but what's, what's guaranteed is that he spent his entire life, you know, and he has a whole household. So he has a household and he has servants too. So so he's pretty well to do. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been doing, you know, he's been serving Rome for a while. He's either retired or he's, or, you know, or he's still serving. It's the text isn't really clear in that, but he is um, devoted his life to this thing. That's not given him the answers, mm. you know, in the gods in Rome, you know, they're, they're closely tied. They're closely and loosely tied to the emperors of Rome. Yeah. You know, like they, they believe that, you know, they were born, you know, that they were, their lineage goes back to these gods. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of, part of the story of these emperors. And so it's so closely tied just to their culture yeah. and what they believe, but it's like, it just doesn't suffice for him at all. Absolutely. You know, it makes me think of, I, I've known, many, many people, um, throughout my time in ministry who have come to me seeking better answers. And that, yes. that, that seems to be the, 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 the trend there with that is when people be just become really dissatisfied with the way that the world is answering these questions. And at, after thinking through it, they're like, this just doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are there better answers? And, um, and I think the quest for better answers is a good indication of when someone might be ready to hear the gospel. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, because they're hungry for it. Like you said, yeah. like, like that, that hunger for it. One of the things that I did want to ask here, and, and I don't know, this might get a little controversial, but let's see. Um, but uh, why is it that some people are hungry and some people are not? Why is it that some people seem to be seeking the better answers and some people don't? I, I mean, there, there's a lot of different layers to this answer. <laughs> and, but but I, I'm kind of staying, I'm going to stay a little bit more on the surface level of it. Okay. Um, I think I think a lot of people find momentary satisfaction in little g gods of this world. Yeah. Now we got to be careful in reading the all the little g gods in the Bible as little g gods, but like people find satisfaction um, in things of this world, and they're enough to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. And those things do eventually run dry in moments, but then they seek more things. Right. Um, I, I've, you know, I, I've. I've spent a lot of time with people that have been around me my whole life that are older in my life that in some seasons seemed really fulfilled. And mm-hmm. then in their old age, they're not fulfilled anymore because mm-hmm. they can't do the things that once fulfilled them or, you know, like mm-hmm. things change and you, and you see, and you see that with people. And so, um, I think, I think that's again, as you said, Chris, like God, God is at work. God is, God is over all of these details, but there's these moments where people, um, begin to question, Kind of, they want a better answer. Yeah, and we, um, we as messengers are like we're responsible to share that answer with them. But sometimes we shy away, and then I think people just keep looking for answers in other areas. Yeah, you know that they continue to just go back and try to find something else to suffice their answer. And so some people will tell you like, oh, they're not hungry because they think they're good. Yeah, but when you really ask them, mm-hmm. like you really ask them, like where they at, like they might be good in the moment, but they, they just don't have peace that suffices, you know, yeah, everything. So, yeah. um, Hey Mitch, good job on this on Sunday. Um, this is a, a big passage, a really important passage. Um, but I think also really helpful for our church in, I, I know for me just also very inwardly convicting as well, mm-hmm. uh, of just like, yeah, like we need we need to kind of get on this, do this a little bit more. Yeah, no, and, and so literally before we shut it down, yeah, like I, I told Chris this on Sunday, but I, you know, as I'm preparing for this message, I, I had somebody reach out to me and ask me um, 
questions, you know, to meet with them. And like, this is, as I'm very first starting to read this text and my, my natural thought were like, I have very clear reasons and they don't listen to this, but I still want to be sensitive to it that I was like, mm, I don't really know, like if it's worth talking to them, like mm. because of certain aspects of their personality, you know, things that they're involved with, you know, I was like, I just don't really know if this is going to, that's where my, that's where my posture was. Yeah. And then I'm reading this text and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have put up barriers that are not there for like that they can't, I'm deciding they can't receive this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and so I, I have been meeting with them. I, I'm just saying that in full transparency, but it's like, man, I'm so susceptible to this yeah. as much as anybody else is to fall into this trap of just saying like, well, you know, I think the longer you're involved with church, the more comfortable you can get with wanting to just be around people that act like you look like you think like you, mm -hmm. you know, and then you forget that there are other people out there that literally like this person is asking me questions. Like that's how ready they are, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I just, I, like I said in the sermon, I'm like, I don't know if it's just me cause I'm a pastor, but I'm like, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. I talked to enough people that I know there are people in your life that are probably asking you questions Yeah, and our response um, often is we just kind of shy away and, I think we just have to really, you know, trust God and, you know, push back on, on our flesh and that desire. Yeah, yeah I think it's repent, it. repenting of yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, thanks for listening today, everybody. Uh, hopefully this was helpful and encouraging for you just to have this dialogue. I know, man, it was, um, I think, a pretty good dialogue today on all these things. Such a good passage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so next week, we're going to be jumping into a new series. Pastor Scott's going to be uh, starting a basically an Advent Christmas series that's going to be going on through the month of December. And we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to celebrating Christmas with our church family. And so we are also looking forward to having you back next time on the Sunday Recap. We'll see you then. Mm -hmm.